1: Well, thank you for joining us on Take 10. We come to you every week with a discussion of a topic that uh, is top of mind in the mental health field, affecting caregivers and their families and more. Our guests and co-hosts, Carol Zernial, Executive Director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Carol has a master's degree in social gerontology with over 25 years experience in the field of aging and caregiving. She's past chair of the Board of Directors of the National Council on Aging. And Dr. Jamie Heisman, a nationally known psychotherapist, an expert as well in caregiving. He is Chief Compassion Officer, Project Omega for Welmed Medical Management. And let me uh, take the prerogative of the one who kicked it off to throw out a topic. And I was thinking about this the other day, Jamie, because for many caregivers who are caring for someone who may be quite ill, but is very much alive, how do they deal with feeling grief feeling that they've already lost their care recipient and they don't know how to juggle those emotions. You know,
2: Ron, that's a great topic because us therapists in the, in this world of psychology and emotions have had to deal with this a lot, not just with family caregivers who we call anticipatory grief. When somebody is passing and we have to start letting go and we start feeling that in our unconscious, but for emotionally, um, for psychologists and and, and social workers as we you know we call it unconventional grief and unconventional grief is really something that we feel when somebody's sort of psyche or themselves start shifting if you will that basically grieving them alive be, but they're changing in our minds and they're changing maybe in their minds and we associate sometimes that that unconventional grief or what you're saying grieving while somebody's alive with even things like mental illness, where our loved ones start shifting to become somebody that we didn't recognize, dementia, Alzheimer's, we have this sort of unconventional sort of grief that hits us. I mean, even in addictions, you know, when people leave and, and we knew that they were our brother, our sister, our mother, and then they go into that world, again, we start doing what's an unconventional grief. But I think when you take care of a loved one and medically, physically watch them possibly decompensate or go through the chronic terminal illness cycle. It's only natural for us to have this unconventional
1: grief. So do you end up grieving multiple times when they are going through it? And then when they pass, you then grieve again? Well, that's you
2: could you could. Everybody grieves differently. I think if you find, like I say to people, a human being, you know, um, and you want to make a trend out of it, forget it, because everybody grieves in their own particular way. I have noticed, and I'm going to throw it to to Carol, too, because Carol has tremendous experience in this world that often family caregivers who have anticipatory grief or have grief while their loved one is still there. Somehow or another, when the person does pass, I think they have believed in their mind. They banked it. They have banked a whole lot. Now, the roller coaster, I always say, begins when it's real. But if you ask a caregiver who has watched their loved one somewhat slip away Um, I think that they feel that there's actually less, believe it or not, when I talk to them. But later on, it can be triggered traumatically. They might have put into a closet. But in my experience, you know, those emotions, they think that they've done in some fashion. How about you, Carol?
3: Yeah, I I would agree with you in, in talking with the caregivers, particularly those with Alzheimer's disease. Um, and and we we've talked about you know that the long goodbye and when you've gone through um, a long period of time with somebody I and mean, literally years with somebody who um, is less and less the person that you know and is more and more um, you know unable to do the things and have the quality of life. Uh, so I would agree with you. I think that some of that early grieving. Maybe uh, you, you, the caregivers say, "Well, I still grieve when the person is gone, gone from my side, gone." Um, but that early grieving does uh, provide some comfort in a way, right? Uh, that you've been able to—I mean, it's in some ways, it's a gift to be able to look at the person, hang on to the person, grieve what they've lost, and celebrate who they still are while you can see them. Uh, and, and that's a, Those are good. You have good moments in there, even though you're grieving while you're going through this experience.
1: We're talking about grieving on Take 10. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Take 10. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Jamie Heisman and Carol Zernil. And uh, Jamie, is there some guilt associated with grieving while they're still alive? Do you say, now, wait a minute, they're still here. I shouldn't be doing this.
2: You know, Ron, there is. Um, but guilt, again, is as associated, I think, a lot with self-esteem. Again, you've heard me say it before. You're usually the higher your self-esteem is, usually you lower your guilt. That means if you're feeding your soul with things that really trigger your, your blow your hair back or trigger your heart, things you're doing for yourself, you're likely not to be stuck in as, as deep of a guilt place as possible. But when I work with caregivers, I often say that there are ways to actually greet somebody wh- while they're alive. And, and, the first thing I always say to them is let yourself grieve, let those emotions out, let, be able to be open and share your feelings with, with your close family or, or truly find like Carol's got all over Texas and, and there's places all over the country, find a, a support group and find people who are literally going through precisely what you're going through. Don't push it away. And even if you feel guilty about it, you know, talk about it, connect with it.
3: Yeah, and I would add to that, I think that you're more likely, if you don't experience it while you're feeling it, now that's a different kind of banking it, right? You were talking about you can bank some of the, the good times, uh, but you can bank some bad times that will come back to bite you later.
2: Absolutely. And, and you know what? It's like I said, when you get in a support group setting, and you know it all too well, Carol, with Caregiver SOS, you know, your memories are, are so critical, I think, when you... When, you when you can bring it up and experience it with other people you you have something to talk about and you don't have to be conventional you can't fit in the box if your loved one is there it's so important to become authentic and be in touch with yourself never push these feelings away and always remember that this illness that you're actually grieving in your loved one maybe not you know it's not it's not your loved one okay i mean at the end of the day you still want to be present with your loved one that you're just dealing with this illness you can't take this process personally
3: yeah and um you know in, in the united states we tend to look down on grief we tend mm-hmm. to think that's a sign of weakness and so what would you say to those people jamie who say oh you know, crying and grieving, uh, we have to be strong. What would you say to them?
2: I say grieving is life and loss is life. I mean, there's losses that hit us like two by fours, people dearest in our lives, the traumas of losing somebody very special to us. There's the grief of, you know, in war, when you may lose, let's say a limb or still come out disabled. You know, there's also things and we call in the psychological world, necessary losses, losses as we grow up and put things behind us. To your point, I think you cry your eyeballs out if you want. I think you absolutely can acknowledge every loss possible. You find support, be able to to really understand that life is a whole series of losses in life that we're not really able to hold on to so much and and attach ourselves to to so much. I mean, there's a wonderful writer. I would love your listeners to to get to, and it's called her name is Pema Chodron, and she's a Buddhist priest. And she is amazing. She wrote a book called When Things Fall Apart. And I don't think grief or anticipatory grief or loss or eyeballs crying could be better articulated than in that book. It's the perfect one to go grab.
1: When Things Fall Apart applies to so much in our post and pre-COVID lives.
2: It does, Ron. It does. And she makes sense of the fact that you know, what Carol says is everything around us is not attached to us. I mean, there's nothing that's really attached to us. When we go the authenticity of life and pull our, our onions layers around us. By the way, we do equate life to the onion, Carol. We we peel each layer and we cry at each layer. That's why we call it that. So I think if you don't cry, if you don't get in touch with the feelings, if you don't demote and connect over them, um, you can become hurt, more more grieved and even toxic sometimes. So... Make sure that you connect with places like caregiver SOS support groups in your area, family members who you feel safe with non-toxic who meet you halfway,
1: but make sure you can cry and cry with them. And to find caregiver SOS, just go to the internet caregiver Dr. Jamie Heisman, Carol Zerniel. I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you so much to all of you for joining us on take 10.